And uh, I actually thought I would, I would open um, by sharing something that I found encouraging this week. Uh, Bill had a neurology appointment with a new doctor, and um, the doctor was talking with him, and Bill was asking. So I was reading and said, if I do this, it might help me in this way. And the doctor said, let me stop you right there. He said, most people think in terms of the conveyor belt or the production line, you know, that, uh, you know, there, you do step one, then you do step two, and then you do step three, and then you can project out that you're going to get step four and step five down the road, which is great if you're doing science or, or engineering and actually building something or, or studying something. He said, but life isn't like that. He said, there is no yesterday, there is no tomorrow, there is only right now. Because you don't exist in yesterday, you don't exist in tomorrow, you exist right now. So, so the question is not, if I do this, can I manipulate the future? He said, the question is, should you be doing this right now? And if you should, then do it. And if you shouldn't, then don't. Mm -hmm. And I, I've been kind of, I mean, that's a summary. It was a much longer description, but it, that's, Bill and I have been talking about it and kind of focusing on it since. And because that, that tends to be how I live, but he's like, oh, that seems like it might help me. Um, but even I struggle with it, you know. I sit and I do the what ifs and I do the, you know, well, how can I make such and such happen? And we can't. We just can't. If we do, you know, and this is what I think God really, this idea is very much in Scripture. You know, if you're making every step unto him, and then he'll get you where you need to go. He'll guide you where you're supposed to be. And he'll, you know, he'll tell you whether your foot should go to the left or the right. Because he's not yelling out the steps for ten times ahead. He's yelling out the step for right now. And if you put your foot there, then you're going in the right direction. And, um, you know, you even see it in, in like, the, the mythology and when there's, there's the, the uh, prophecies about, you know, different people. And it's all the things they do to try and prevent it that cause it to happen. And so... In our life, if we just focus on where we are right now and what we're doing, and which isn't to say don't have a plan. I mean, there are certain given things. Assuming you live till this evening, you're going to have dinner. So it's okay. <laughs> it's not saying don't plan for the, for the daily moments of life that are going to happen. But that's where, you know, Yeshua said don't worry about them. Because if you don't have any way to provide your food for dinner, live in the moment and by the time dinner comes, see what happened. You know, there was, there was a time when I was at ASU where I, I truly had no food and no money. And I think on my shelf in the fridge where I rented a room, I had a banana. And, like, that was, that was what was there. And then I ate it, and then I had nothing. And for three days in a row, while I was at campus, I ran into people I hadn't seen in a long time, and each day they offered to take me to lunch. <laughs> and I ate. <laughs> And, you know, I had the one, I don't know if I've shared this one before, but I had a professor who was an English professor, which allowed him to actually teach the Bible in, in, a, in a very godly way, because in the theology department, they tore it apart and, you know, tried to disprove it and all this other stuff. So we all went over and took this, this uh, English professor's class. And uh, he said he was talking with a student who was struggling, and they were walking across campus, and he was referencing that verse, and he said, you know where Jesus says, you know, do, consider the, the lilies of the field and consider the birds of the air. And he says, if I provide for them, how much more will I provide for you? And as he said that, he gestured with his palms open, 
and he said a flock of birds flew overhead, and one of them dropped a Ziploc baggie with a sandwich in his hand. And he said, here you go. <laughs> wow. That's cool. So, so especially at this time of year, there seems to never be enough. Which, which is challenging, you know. I, every time I go into the store, there's all these beautiful things on sale. And uh, I mean, I will say the thing about moving all of our stuff is I really don't want anything else to come into my home right now. So I'm, re I'm kind of like, well, I probably sh should get some gifts for people. <laughs> like, I don't want to buy anything. I don't want to have anything. Um, but there is this, there is, in our consumer-driven society, there is this idea that if we just get enough, we'll be happy. And that it, it tune all that out. You know, if you have enough for the moment, you're good. If you have enough for right now, you're fine. So, on that thought, um, Numbers 28. Um, and the kind of an interesting lead in, I actually forgot this was where it started, but talking about giving to the Lord. So, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Command the people of Israel and say to them, my offering, my food, for my food offerings, my pleasing aroma, you shall be careful to offer to me at its appointed time. Um, and which makes, you know, the I, I think I shared this last year, but I was looking at, I had read something from a Jewish perspective, and then I was looking at something that was hanging in a, in a building at a church. And the thing in the building at the church said, um, be, what is it? Being wealthy is not having everything you want. It's having everything you need, which I thought, okay, that's true. But the Jewish thought was being wealthy is not having everything you want. It's having enough to share. Wow. And I thought, whoa, way more powerful thought there because there's always something to share. You know, there's always. Because whatever you have, you can share it, even if it means you get less. So God's saying, at my appointed times, Bring me the food that I've commanded you to bring. And you shall say to them, this is the food offering that you shall offer to the Lord. Two male lambs, a year old without blemish, day by day as a regular offering. The one lamb you shall offer in the morning, and the other lamb you shall offer at twilight. Also a tenth of an ephah of fine flour for a grain offering mixed with a quarter of a hen of beaten oil. So that's day by day. It is a regular burnt offering which was ordained at Mount Sinai for a pleasing aroma, a food offering to the Lord. Its drink offering shall be a quarter of a hen for each lamb. In the holy place you shall pour out a drink offering of strong drink to the Lord. The other lamb you shall offer at twilight, like the grain offering of the morning, and like its drink offering you shall offer it as a food offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. On the Sabbath day, two male lambs, a year old without blemish, and two-tenths of an ephah of fine flour for a grain offering mixed with oil and its drink offering. This is the burnt offering of every Sabbath besides the regular burnt offering and its drink offering. So double on the Sabbath. At the beginning of your months you shall offer a burnt offering to the Lord, two bulls from the herd, one ram, seven male lambs a year old without blemish, also three-tenths of an ephah of fine flour for a grain offering mixed with oil, for each bull, and two-tenths of fine flour for a grain offering mixed with oil for the one ram, and a tenth of fine flour mixed with oil as a grain offering for every lamb, for a burnt offering with a pleasing aroma, a food offering to the Lord. Their drink offering shall be half a hen of wine for a bull, a third of a hen for a ram, and a quarter of a hen for a lamb. 
This is the burnt offering of each month throughout the months of the year. Also, one male goat for a sin offering to the Lord. It shall be offered besides the regular burnt offering and its drink offering. On the fourteenth day of the first month is the Lord's Passover. And on the fifteenth day of this month is a feast. Seven days shall unleavened bread be eaten. On the first day there shall be a holy convocation. You shall not do any ordinary work, but offer a food offering, a burnt offering to the Lord, two bulls from the herd, one ram, and seven male lambs a year old. See that you are without blemish, or see that they are without blemish. Also their grain offering of fine flour mixed with oil, three-tenths of an ephah shall you offer for a bull, and two-tenths for a ram. A tenth shall you offer for each of the seven lambs. Also one male goat for a sin offering to make atonement for you. You shall offer these besides the burnt offering of the morning, which is for a regular burnt offering. In the same way, you shall offer daily for seven days the food of a food offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. It shall be offered besides the regular burnt offering and its drink offering. And on the seventh day, you shall have a holy convocation. You shall not do any ordinary work. So that's the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Um, verse 26, on the day of the first fruits, when you offer a grain offering of new grain to the Lord at your Feast of Weeks, you shall have a holy convocation. You shall not do any ordinary work, but offer a burnt offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Two bulls from the herd, one ram, seven male lambs a year old. Also their grain offering of fine flour mixed with oil, three-tenths of an ephah for each bull, two-tenths for one ram, a tenth for each of the seven lambs, with one male goat to make atonement for you. Besides the regular burnt offering and its grain offering, you shall offer them and their drink offering, see that they are without blemish. So there's the offering every day. And then there's the offering for the Sabbath, and then there's the offering for the, the new moon, and then there's the offering for Passover, and then there's the unleavened bread additional offerings. So number 29. On the first day of the seventh month, you shall have a holy convocation. You shall not do any ordinary work. It is a day for you to blow the trumpets, and you shall offer a burnt offering. I, I love that God has a day to blow trumpets. <laughs> it's like he looked at his calendar and said, this day would be good to blow trumpets. <laughs> So that's what I want you to do. That's right. And you shall offer a burnt offering for a pleasing aroma to the Lord. One bull from the herd, one ram, seven male lambs, a year old without blemish. Also their grain offering of fine flour mixed with oil, three-tenths of an ephah for the bull, two-tenths for the ram, and one-tenth for each of the seven lambs, with one male goat for a sin offering to make atonement for you. Besides the burnt offering of the new moon and its grain offering and the regular burnt offering and its grain offering and their drink offering according to the rule for them for a pleasing aroma, a food offering to the Lord. On the tenth day of this seventh month you shall have a holy convocation and afflict yourselves. You shall do no work, but you shall offer a burnt offering to the Lord, a pleasing aroma. One bull from the herd, one ram, seven male lambs a year old, see that they are without blemish. And their grain offering shall be of fine flour mixed with oil, three-tenths of an ephah for the bull, two-tenths for the one ram, a tenth for each of the seven lambs, also one male goat for a sin offering, besides the sin offering of atonement and the regular burnt offering and its grain offering and their drink offering. Okay. So that's uh, Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement. On the 15th day of the seventh month, you shall have a holy convocation. So now we're at Sukkot. You shall not do any ordinary work, and you shall keep a feast to the Lord seven days. And you shall offer a burnt offering, a food offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord, thirteen bulls from the herd, two rams, 
14 male lambs a year old, they shall be without blemish. And their grain offering of fine flour mixed with oil, three-tenths of an ephah for each of the thirteen bulls, two-tenths for each of the two rams, and a tenth for each of the fourteen lambs. Also one male goat for a sin offering, besides the regular burnt offering, its grain offering, and its drink offering. That's a lot more than Yes. On the second day, twelve bulls from the herd, two rams, fourteen male lambs, a year old without blemish, with the grain offering and the drink offerings for the bulls, for the rams, and for the lambs in the prescribed quantities. Also one male goat for a sin offering, besides the regular burnt offering and its grain offering and their drink offerings. On the third day, eleven bulls, two rams, fourteen male lambs a year old without blemish, with the grain offering and the drink offerings for the bulls, for the rams, and for the lambs in the prescribed quantities. Also one male goat for a sin offering, besides the regular burnt offering and its grain offering and its drink offering. On the fourth day, ten bulls, two rams, fourteen male lambs a year old without blemish, with the grain offering and the drink offerings for the bulls, for the rams, and for the lambs in the prescribed quantities. Also one male goat for a sin offering, besides the regular burnt offering, its grain offering, and its drink offering. So the, bull, the amount of bulls that they offer goes down each day? Yes. That's a yeah. lot. Yes. That's for all of the... It's not each The whole person, congregation, yeah, right? It's just for everybody. It's not each person. It's the whole of the, the everyone. I, I actually... I think... Can you imagine if it was for each person? Some of... Right? That would be, I don't think they, that's a lot of animals. Yeah. Let me see. We're, we're in 29, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Let me turn there. <laughs> Well, keeping in mind that a, the, a lot of what was brought as the offering um, was for the food for the entire tribe of the Levites. Right. So there's, there's, um, but not every family is going to have like, you know, 50 bulls at Right. <laughs> That's what I know. With that many bulls and rams and, I was thinking the whole I was thinking beyond the Levites. Like, wow. Yeah, I, I do believe it is for the whole mm -hmm. assembly. Um, oh, and this, okay, this is really neat. This is what I wanted to do. Where are we? Um, on Rosh, so on the Rosh Hashanah one, okay, there, well, one bull and kind of large number of bulls. We're not at verse 36 yet. Okay. Show that link up there. I do believe it was for the whole community. Mm -hmm. Because especially in Sukkot, and this is kind of what um, we're going to get to. Uh, where is it? Yom Kippur. Um, they say, the offerings of Sukkot are unique in three ways. They include offerings to invoke protection for the Gentile nations. The offerings are slightly different for each day of the festival, and there is a special water libation, um, which they go into. The, um, let's see. So during Sukkot, the offerings, the, 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 the different offerings were being offered on behalf of the Gentile nations. So there's kind of this picture on Passover, it's your personal Salvation, um, Rosh Hashanah, and Yom Kippur. Going into Yom Kippur, it's your the nation of Israel being protected, and then 
in Sukkot, it's prayer for the nations for their protection. So it's almost like you go through one to be ready for the next, to be ready for the next. You get your personal with God taken care of so that you can stand with your nation of Israel, and then you are able to pray for the rest of the world, um, which I think is just really a beautiful thing um, to look at. But um, one bull, one ram. Yeah, so, uh, th yeah, this is... I'm trying to make sure that I'm not skipping around. Okay, yeah. So, um, so yeah, these are these are all being offered uh, by the nation, and and so they're all yeah. There's not like you know, a million times fifty. Cause that would be a little impractical. Yeah. Well, the Passover one is each person, and then um, you know on the Day of Atonement it is for the whole nation, and then I the announced coat is for the nation. So, uh, on the fifth, let me see, fifth day, uh -huh. fifth day, nine bulls, two rams, 14 male lambs, a year old without blemish, with the grain offering and the drink offerings for the bulls, for the rams, and for the lambs, and the prescribed quantities. Also, one male goat for a sin offering, besides the regular burnt offering, and its grain offering, and its drink offering. I have a question. Yes. If there are traveling to the desert at this point, where are they in the grain? Um, good question. They might be trading for it. It takes a whole year to go across. Who says they don't stay still for a year? Well, keep in mind also that God does a lot of food miracles in Scripture. Yeah. You know, he has that, the one where the woman starts pouring the oil and it doesn't stop flowing. She has one jar of oil and it doesn't stop flowing until every single jar is full. But I'm going to look mm -hmm. that up and I'm going to see what different sages have written about that because that's a really good question. I understand the, all the livestock. They move right, them, right. It doesn't say how often they move around. They could stay put for a year or two in one place. Too. Well, yeah, and it's, it's thought that they or stay placed for very long times in certain places, and yeah. then God moved them quickly to the next place where mm -hmm. they were going to settle down. Um, also, yeah, he's saying, when I think this one started with when you are in the land. Yeah, that's what I think. It's yeah. In the future, when they get there. When you get he's there. He's telling them because a lot of this is instruction. Right, because right, you know, right now he's been providing the manna. Mm -hmm. So that that's what they have. They have the manna, and then they have the the birds. And so he's saying, when you get into the land, Here's you're going to do these things on a regular basis. Um, okay, also one, one male, verse 28, one male goat for a sin offering besides the regular burnt offering and its grain offering and its drink offering. Oh, that was, I wanted to look one other thing up because, yeah, so back at the beginning of verse 28, what they say is the next two chapters describe the musaf, the additional offerings that were brought in the temple on the Sabbath, new moon, and festivals. Um, they, so they were, they were additional at this point, um. Okay, so these are all the additional offerings that, that are brought. So verse 29, on the sixth day, eight bulls, two rams, 14 male lambs, a year old without blemish, with the grain offering and the drink offerings for the bulls, for the rams, and for the lambs in the prescribed quantities. Also one male goat for a sin offering, besides the regular burnt offering, its grain offering, and its drink offerings. 
On the seventh day, seven bulls, two rams, fourteen male lambs, a year old without blemish, with the grain offering and the drink offerings for the bulls, for the rams, and for the lambs in the prescribed quantities. Also, one male goat for a sin offering, besides the regular burnt offering, its grain offering, and its drink offering. On the eighth day, you shall have a solemn assembly. You shall not do any ordinary work, but you shall offer a burnt offering, a food offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord, one bull, one ram, seven male lambs, a year old without blemish, and the grain offering and the drink offering for the bull. Um, and this is this was where it has the note, the one bull and the one ram. So it says, in contrast to the large number of bulls offered on each of the seven days of Sukkot, only one bull is offered on Shemini Atzeres. This symbolize, number symbolizes Israel, which is God's one nation. So it kind of brings it all, it culminates, they pray for all the, the, the Gentile nations, and then on this day, this day is about Israel again. Uh, then you, verse 39, then you shall offer to the Lord at your appointed, these you shall offer to the Lord at your appointed feast in addition to your vow offerings and your free will offerings for your burnt offerings and for your grain offerings and for your drink offerings and for your peace offerings. So Moses told the people of Israel everything just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Well, that is a lot of meat. <laughs> a whole lot of meat. No <laughs> Uh, at least, you know. Being Levites. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be very hard to be a vegan Levite. <laughs> oh, this is our meal. I'll just eat some showbread. <laughs> so Joshua 21. So we just had them um, set up. They set up the, the cities of refuge in the different places. And it said where the cities were last time. So, 21, then the heads of the fathers' houses of the Levites came to Eleazar the priest and to Joshua the son of Nun and to the heads of the fathers' houses of the tribes of the people of Israel. And they said to them at Shiloh in the land of Canaan, the Lord commanded through Moses that we be given cities to dwell in, along with their pasture lands for our livestock. Did we, is this the one we did last week? Did I recopy the wrong? We're good? Okay. So by command of the Lord, thank you. I, I always... Like, what did I do? Did I mess it up? Um, so by command of the Lord, the people of Israel gave to the Levites the following cities and pasture lands out of their inheritance. The lot came out for the clans of the Kohathites. So those Levites who were descendants of Aaron, the priest, received by lot from the tribes of Judah, Simeon, and Benjamin, 13 cities. And the rest of the Kohathites received by lot from the clans of the tribe of Ephraim, from the tribe of Dan, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, 10 cities. The Gershonites received by lot from the clans of the tribe of Issachar, from the tribe of Asher, and from the tribe of Naphtali, and from the half-tribe of Manasseh in Bashan, 13 cities. So they just took the Levites and spread them out all over. Yes. Divided them up in, in, in all, scattered be, all over all the different groups. They were priests. They needed to be everywhere. Yeah. Mm -hmm. they, they, um, and they were the cities of refuge, so this is how many cities of refuge there were. So it wasn't like there's one city, you know, four... <laughs> territories over that you have to run to <laughs> you accidentally kill somebody you know it's um and and this and this allowed the the care of the levites to be distributed proportionately throughout israel so the merorites verse seven the merorites according to their clans received from the tribe of reuben the tribe of gad and the tribe of zebulun 12 cities these cities and their pasture lands the people of israel gave by lot to the levites as the lord had commanded through moses out of the tribe of the people of Judah and the tribe of the people of Simeon, they gave the following cities mentioned by name, which went to the descendants of Aaron, one of the clans of the Kohathites, who belonged to the people of Levi. 
since the lot fell to them first. They gave them Kiriath Arba, Arba being the father of Anak. You know, just so you know. That is, that is Hebron in the hill country of Judah along with the pasture lands around it. So that would have been um, in Hebron was where uh, Abraham was called from, which is why they were called the Hebrews. And who's Anak? Was that the one who went with... Um... I'm not going to remember just because oh, you asked. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably thinking I Enoch. Like... You might be and thinking Enoch, Enoch, but okay. let me see. Let me see. Who is... Let's see if we can get an answer quickly or if it's going to just give me... Oh, that's okay. Well-known figure during the conquest of Canaan by the Israelites, who, according to the book of Numbers, was a forefather of the Anakites, Anakites who had been considered strong and tall. Oh. They were... Because they mentioned them, so I was like, wait a minute, who's that? <laughs> yeah. Hold on. Let me open it. Um, they were also said to have been a mixed race of giant people, descendants of the Nephilim. That's probably oh, the ones they wow. saw when they first went in. Yeah. The so use... now they get the city of them. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Renamed it Hebron. And That's right. Yeah. Does that make the buildings really yeah. big, possibly? Do what? Does that make the buildings in the city really big? Probably. Mm -hmm. That'd be kind of cool. Giant doors. Your doors like this. That's right. Like like this the whole time. Yeah. They get nice high ceilings. That's right. In the hill country, yes, probably. In the hill country of Judah, along with the pasture lands around it. But the fields of the city and its villages have been given to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, as his possession. And to the descendants of Aaron the priest, they gave Hebron, the city of refuge for the manslayer with its pasture lands. Libna with its pasture lands, Jatir with its pasture lands, Eshtemoa with its pasture lands, Holon with its pasture lands, Debir with its pasture lands, Ain with its pasture lands, Juta with its pasture lands, Beth Shemesh with its pasture lands, nine cities out of these two, two tribes. Then out of the tribe of Benjamin, Gibeon with its pasture lands, Geba with its pasture lands, Anathoth with its, its pasture lands, and Almon with its pasture lands, four cities. The cities of the descendants of Aaron the priests were in all 13 cities with their pasture lands. As to the rest of the Kohathites belonging to the Kohathite clans of the Levites, the cities allotted to them were out of the tribe of Ephron. To them were given Shechem, the city of refuge for the manslayer with its pasture lands in the hill country of Ephraim, Gezer with its pasture lands, Kibzaim with its pasture lands, Beth Horon with its pasture lands, four cities, and out of the tribe of Dan. Eltek with its pasture lands, Gibbethon with its pasture lands, Aijalon with its pasture lands, <coughs> Gathrimon with, and it with its pasture lands, four cities. And out of the half tribe of Manasseh, Tanakh with its pasture lands, and Gathrimon with its pasture lands, two cities. The cities of the clans of the rest of the Kohathites were ten in all with their pasture lands. And to the Gershonites, one of the clans of the Levites, were given out of the half tribe of Manasseh, Golan in Bashan with its pasture lands, the city of refuge for the manslayer, and Bish Terah with its pasture lands, two cities. And out of the tribe of Issachar, Kishion with its pasture lands, Dabaroth with its pasture lands, Darmuth with its pasture lands, and Ganim with its pasture lands, four cities. And out of the tribe of Asher, Mishal with its pasture lands, Abdon with its pasture lands, Helkath with its pasture lands, and Rehob with its pasture lands, four cities. And out of the tribe of Naphtali, Kadesh in Galilee with its pasture lands, the city of refuge for the manslayer, Hamoth Dor with its pasture lands, and Kartan with its pasture lands, three cities. 
Okay, so of the different groups, each one, like there's, there's, this, the, there's the city of refuge and then there's the other places that the Levites get to live. If this is what was given to them, how many cities were there? A lot more. Cities are not, were not listed. Yeah, cities were kind of yeah. like our little community that we're in, our little, yeah, subdivision, yeah. That was a, if you go like to, to Europe, there's, if you go to the village which, and it's 400 people and a mile away is the next village. Right, which yeah. is why, which is why in Jonah, when he goes to Nineveh, it makes the point of saying it would take a person three days to walk from one side of Nineveh to the other. It wasn't just a little city. It was huge. It was the New York. Uh, it, yes, it, it was. It was a. It was a very large city, which even now would be considered a very small city because three days is like 20, 30 miles, maybe. It takes. You think? You think? If, you think no, you I, mean, you know, I can walk walking? thirty miles. Saying, and, yeah, because if it takes three days to walk across a city. I can walk twenty miles in one day. Really? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I've I biked was, 20 miles in a couple of hours. So yeah, yeah I think you can walk. I, I don't know. I did yeah. those walkathons when I was a kid. And it was 10 miles. You had little legs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, yes, you, yes absolutely, you would be hurting. But keep in mind, they walked everywhere. They were not our oh, modern day. Okay. Yeah. Well, even still, we're lazy. I, I hurt when I walked to the mailbox, so it's not. <laughs> 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 Took three days for Crystal to walk across that it could be the size of this church. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Right, not much. right. It would it would be like, um, you know, maybe like Phoenix proper or yeah. Goodyear or you know th that would have been a huge giant city. Yeah, Buckeye, which is ginormous because it's got like yeah. tiny little suburbs all over the place. So, um, and I was just joking. For those of you listening on the recording, I really it wouldn't take me three days to walk across the church. So, <laughs> please do not adjust your image of me accordingly. Um, <laughs> So, uh, let's see. So, Heshbon, are we at 33? Okay. The cities of the several clans, thank you, of the Gershonites were in all 13 cities with their pasture lands, and to the rest of the Levites, the Merorite clans were given out of the tribe of Zebulun. Joknim with its pasture lands, Kartah with its pasture lands, and keeping in mind, so the cities, and then there had to be enough pasture lands around them to support the people living in the city. So, you know, however big your city was, your pasture lands had to be proportionately larger. Um, so Dimna with its pasture lands, Nahala with its pasture lands, four cities. And out of the tribe of Reuben, Bezer with its pasture lands, Jahaz with its pasture lands, Kedemoth with its pasture lands, and Mephoth with its pasture lands, four cities. And out of the tribe of Gad, Remoth and Gilead with its pasture lands, the city of refuge for the manslayer. Mahanaim with its pasture lands, Heshbon with its pasture lands, Jazer with its pasture lands, four cities in all. As for the cities of the several Merorite clans, that is the remainder of the clans of the Levites, those allotted to them were in all twelve cities. The cities of the Levites in the midst of the possession of the people of Israel were in all forty-eight cities with their pasture lands. These cities each had its pasture lands around it, so it was with all these cities. Thus the Lord gave to Israel all the land that he swore to give to their fathers, and they took possession of it, and they settled there. And the Lord gave them rest on every side, just as he had sworn to their fathers. Not one of all their enemies had withstood them, for the Lord had given all their enemies into their hands. Not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed, 
all came to pass. Just so encouraging. So one more chapter. At that time, Joshua summoned the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh and said to them, you have kept all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you. Because remember, they were the ones who said, you know, we like this land on this side of the, of the river. Can we settle here? And he said, no, because then we won't have you to help us fight over there. And they said, let us build our cities. We will go with you to fight, and we won't return home until we have fulfilled everything that the Lord has called us to do. So here we are. Joshua's called them back and said, you have done everything. Um, so said to them, you have kept all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you and have obeyed my voice and all that I have commanded you. You have not forsaken your brothers these many days down to this day, but you have been careful to keep the charge of the Lord your God. And now the Lord your God has given rest to your brothers as he promised them. Therefore, turn and go to your tents in the land where your possession lies, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you on the other side of the Jordan. Only be very careful to observe the commandment and the law that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you to love the Lord your God and to walk in all his ways and to keep his commandments and to cling to him and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. So Joshua blessed them and sent them away and they went to their tents. So they're finally back home with their family. Now to the one half of the tribe of Manasseh, Moses had given a possession in Bashan, but to the other half, Joshua had given a possession beside their brothers in the land west of the Jordan. And when Joshua sent them away to their homes and blessed them, he said to them, Go back to your tents with much wealth and with very much livestock, with silver, gold, bronze, and iron, and with, with much clothing. Divide the spoil of your enemies with your brothers. So the, so the people of Reuben and the people of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh returned home, parting from the people of Israel at Shiloh, which is in the land of Canaan, to go to the land of Gilead, their own land, of which they had possessed themselves by command of the Lord through Moses. Then the people of Israel sent to the people of Reuben and the people of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh in the land of Gilead, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar the priest, and with him ten chiefs, one from each of the tribal families of Israel, every one of them the head of a family among the clans of Israel. And they came to the people of Reuben, the people of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh in the land of Gilead, and they said to them, Thus says the whole congregation of the Lord, What is this breach of faith that you have committed against the God of Israel in turning away this day from following the Lord by building yourselves an altar this day in rebellion against the Lord? Already. Seriously, they left, and then we have to send people. Already? I mean, granted, there's probably enough of a gap in here for them to have gotten to their home, settled in a little, and built the altar, and word of that to have gotten back to them. But it's presented, and I love that, it's presented in such a way that what, however much time it took in that day and age for those things to happen, it was immediate. There was not a delay. It was not like a year later they started. They went back and they did this. So have we not had enough of the sin at Peor from which even yet we have not cleansed ourselves and for which there came a plague upon the congregation of the Lord that you too must turn away this day from following the Lord? And if you too rebel against the Lord today, then tomorrow he will be angry with the whole congregation of Israel. But now, if the land of your possession is unclean, pass over into the Lord's land where the Lord's tabernacle stands and take for yourselves a possession among us. So, okay. So do you hear what they're saying? They're saying, 
we're not even recovered from all the times this has happened before, and you're doing this again. So if you can't live in this land without defiling it, come live amongst us, and we will hold you accountable. Take some of our land, live off of our possessions, and we will keep you from doing this. If you can't stay here, it's, can you stop yourselves, or do you need my help? Because <laughs> we will help you. That's right. If you need to live amongst us to stop doing this, fine. It says, only do not rebel against the Lord or make us as rebels by building for yourselves an altar other than the altar of the Lord our God. Did not Achan, the son of Zerah, break faith in the matter of the devoted things, and wrath fell upon all the congregation of Israel? And he did not perish alone for his iniquity. Then the people of Reuben, the people of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh said in answer to the heads of the families of Israel, The mighty one God the Lord, the mighty one God the Lord, he knows and let Israel itself know. If it was in rebellion or in breach of faith against the Lord, do not spare us today for building an altar to turn away from following the Lord. Or if we did so to offer burnt offerings or grain offerings or peace offerings on it, may the Lord himself take vengeance. No, but we did it from fear that in time to come your children might say to our children, what have you to do with the Lord, the God of Israel? Okay, so classic abuser tactic. It's your fault we did this. We were scared of you. Okay, maybe they were scared of them. Maybe they really did talk to them. I mean, if so, then they, they've got some really dysfunctional thought going on. You know, wow, if they've got the temple down there. What's going to happen if if they won't let us come and use it. You know, or what if they say, you're not faithful to the Lord, you can't come here. So what have you to do with the Lord, the God of Israel? For the Lord has made the Jordan a boundary between us and you, you people of Reuben and people of Gad. You have no portion in the Lord, so your children might make our children cease to worship the Lord. Therefore we said, let us now build an altar, not for, so this is the people on the other side of the Jordan. Um, let us now build an altar not for burnt offering nor for sacrifice, but to be a witness between us and you and between our generations after us that we do perform the service of the Lord in his presence with our burnt offerings and sacrifices and peace offerings. So your children will not say to our children in time to come, you have no portion in the Lord. And we thought, if this should be said to us or to our descendants in time to come, we should say, behold, the copy of the altar of the Lord, which our fathers made, not for burnt offerings nor for sacrifice, but to be a witness between us and you. Far be it from us that we should rebel against the Lord and turn away this day from following the Lord by building an altar for burnt offering, grain offering, or sacrifice other than the altar of the Lord, our God, that stands before his tabernacle. So when Phinehas the priest and the chiefs of the congregation, the heads of the families of Israel who were with him, heard the words that the people of Reuben and the people of Gad and the people of Manasseh spoke, it was good in their eyes. And Phinehas, the son of El Eleazar, the priest, said to the people of Reuben and the people of Gad and the people of Manasseh, Today we know that the Lord is in our midst because you have not committed this breach of faith against the Lord. So, okay, you haven't offered anything on it. You built the copy, but you haven't offered anything. The problem is going forward, other people are going to build copies and they're going to start doing all sorts of offering. Um, and, and that fear... You know, the fear that drove them to do this, it's like, okay, so you haven't committed a breach, but then you got to wonder what would have happened if they hadn't come so quick? You know, what would have happened if it suddenly got hard to go to the temple? Mm -hmm. We've got this replica here. You know, it, it's, it's, you know, when their thoughts were all ready, they're not going to want us there. 
let's prove to them we're good by building a copy. You know, and, and so they probably don't want us to come offer. We'll just use our altar. And it, so it's one of those, really? Did they need to build the copy of the replica? Is it, I mean, do we really, is it fair to project? And I, this kind of goes back to what I was saying that the neurologist had said. You only have today. You can't manipulate tomorrow. So today, they built a copy of the altar. It's good that they didn't sacrifice on it today. But once you have that copy of the altar, how is that going to influence your choices tomorrow? Today, do what you're supposed to do. So we know that the, they say, we know that the Lord is in our midst because you have not committed this breach of faith against the Lord. Now you have delivered the people of Israel from the hand of the Lord. Then Phinehas, the son of Eleazar the priest, and the chiefs returned from the people of Reuben and the people of Gad and the land of Gilead to the land of Canaan to the people of Israel and brought back word to them. And the report was good in the eyes of the people of Israel. And the people of Israel blessed God and spoke no more of making war against them to destroy the land where the people of Reuben and the people of Gad were settled. The people of Reuben and the people of Gad called the altar witness, for they said, it is a witness between us that the Lord is God. So... And yet, by the time we, you know, by the time we get to the end of Joshua and move into the Kings, there's going to be so much more. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it gets so complicated, mm -hmm. you know. And 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 then the Kings are so wicked. Oh yeah, there are many of them. Well, and I've got them. when we get to the Kings, um, I've got the timeline online that I put together. I did a oh, right brain timeline good. because. Every time I tried to look at a timeline for the kings, my eyes would cross and my head would start to tilt to the side. And I'm like, I, and it's, it's because it is, it is very complicated because as it turns out, it's, it's the combination of the records from the Northern Kingdom and the Southern Kingdom all put together in kind of a mishmashy timeline. And in the North, they called certain kings of the South by a different name than the Southern kings called themselves. And so sometimes it looks like they're talking about different people, but they're talking about the same person. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, it's when, you, when you suddenly realize, oh, that's because it would be like this person became king and he reigned for 63 years. And then it's like seven years later, this person became king in the other kingdom and he reigned, and I'm going, so he was king, but he was same person. Oh, same person, okay. I know, so uh, yeah, so it's it's really it's really fascinating. But you know, and as we're as we're leading up to the kings, all the things that are going to be happening that that set the stage for all of that. It's just you know, I, I love every time the Bible says, "And the people did what was good in their own eyes." <laughs> yeah, you know, the people the people did what was you know, and the people we thought it was a good idea. Doing what's good in their yeah. Eyes. How often do yes, we do what's good indeed. in our own eyes? Yes. And we all do. We Amen. all do. No one is exempt from it. None right. of us is perfect. None mm -hmm. of us fully has the mind of Messiah. Mm -hmm. And and so, you know, as we saw in that one, was it good that they did what they did? I don't think it was good that they built that altar. Mm -hmm. I think it was fear-motivated. And any time we behave fear-motivated, we do things we probably shouldn't have done. Mm -hmm. Now, they didn't cross the line and actually you know, offer the sacrifices on it. So everybody was like, okay, we're all good. We're good in the sight of the Lord. This is okay. We haven't, we haven't violated anything. But I don't think that was a good choice. When, when fear motivates you, especially fear of something, who knows, sometime long in the future, 
Because had that ever happened, they could have done this and said, look, this is a witness. We, you know, this is where we want to be. But, but they did it then. They did it back at the very beginning. We're already scared that you're going to do this to us. Brothers, our family, cousins, we already think you're going to turn us away. And so, you know, we, we do these things and we go, you know, oh, I, I don't see the harm in doing this and I see a little bit of benefit and we start down a path. And, and so when, when we're in that moment, you know, be, be faith-motivated. Don't be fear-motivated. God just, they, they just honored the, these people. They honored them for fulfilling their promise. God was pleased with them. They were sent home. They were blessed and, and said, return to your families. And no sooner did they get back home than they're like, what if they don't let us come back? <laughs> okay. You know, but we do that. We do that. Well, maybe, maybe I should do this today because this might happen tomorrow. Just today do what's pleasing to the Lord. So, and on that note, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his countenance upon you and grant you peace. Amen. Amen.